Hallelujah. We're thankful. The inspiration for a scripture I want to bring to you this morning came from this book. My wife and I picked up, Show Me Thy Ways, O Lord, God's Pathway to a Deeper Spiritual Walk by Robert L. Morgan. Maybe some of you have it. You open up the um, first, you know, the four-word introduction, and there are two paragraphs by Reimer Schultze recommending this book. And James Wright recommending this book. Pastor Schultze was privileged to know this man. This man was very influential in uh, helping Pastor Schultze uh, when he was still in the ministry of the Church of God and his young ministry, the early years. This man, Robert L. Morgan, lived to be 93. What did he pass away, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Um, was a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist. In fact, the writer of this book says could be listed as a prophet. Missionary to, to Trinidad and pastored churches and was an evangelist all over America. Very godly man, very godly man. What I'm trying to say is if you can... There's something about finding and being close to a godly man that can help us. Derek shaking his head. Yes, sir. And uh, this, this man actually pastored a sister church of ours, Atwood Christ Fellowship. At that time, it was called Mentone. And that church was very, very influential in the start of this church. They actually provided the support to start this church in 1977. And he was, Reverend Morgan was pastoring there at the time. And then God, God called him into evangelistic work he had been in, and then he retired and actually pastored, well, he didn't pastor, he actually did pulpit duties, similar to what I do, about once a month. Ronnie Taylor would have him preach at Scott Depot Christ Fellowship in West Virginia. And he was just a short little guy. He wouldn't, this pulpit wouldn't work for him because he was short, just a small man, but I tell you what, he would stand up in the pulpit. As soon as he started walking in the pulpit, you would be like, oh my, God's in the house. I mean, there was just this man, I mean, it was like, he would get up here and just start preaching like this for about 10 minutes, and he'd sit down, 10 minutes, 15 maybe. About it. Ten minutes. He'd sit down. You'd be stunned. I mean, God would help him in such a way that you would just... It was like a banquet. It was like conviction. It was like food. I mean, it was... He could put in ten minutes what a lot of pastors take two sermons or 45 minutes or so. And he'd just sit down and God would help him. So what they have done... Uh, Barbara and Ronnie Taylor took some of those short sermons and they're only four or five pages per chapter and there's 31 of them in here. Powerful, powerful sermons and put them together in a little book. You can get it on Amazon. If you want to find it, just look it up on Amazon. But it sure has been helping me 
And so I just wanted to um, let you know where some of my help's been coming. Uh, when we meet men of God who are truly living what they're preaching, Amen. living it and preaching it to the depths of it and the fullness of it. And, and I'll tell you what, we're privileged in this place to have that. Amen. One day we're going to really start appreciating. But just for, uh, where'd Seth go? I mean, Gideon. Okay. Just for uh, Derek's and Gideon's sake and Bruce, people that love to play golf. Okay, I got to tell this little story on Reverend Morgan. My brother, my youngest brother, 10 years younger than me, Paul, was, of course, Reverend Morgan had retired in West Virginia. He was elderly, but he loved to play golf, believe it or not. I don't know if you knew that. He loved to play golf. He's just a short little guy. My brother's about 6'2 and pretty strong. And so my brother had the privilege to take Reverend, Mark, uh, Reverend Morgan to play some golf. Okay? So, uh, and, and my brother has probably, I don't know, 250 original tapes of his. He was able to buy them and hold them, and so got stirred up about him. But they go out to the golf course, get in, and my brother is pretty strong at that time. Now, he's had bike issues now. But, whoom, you know, 300 yards or longer or farther. Oh, Oh, 300 yards, but over in the rough. You know, way down there. Reverend Morgan would get up and whoop, you know, maybe 150 yards straight, right down the middle fairway. My brother get up to number two, whoom, goon. Oh, yeah, right up over the grill oh, in the sand. Reverend Morgan get up there, second shot. Oh, just, just straight. He'd be up on the green maybe in three. Just, just nice, 100 yards, 150 yards, just straight. He'd get a, he'd get a bogey or a par. And my brother would be sitting out of the sand, out of the rough, two on the green. They'd be running even. You could preach this, couldn't you? There's a sermon here somewhere, isn't there, Derek? And it'd go like that the whole day. Reverend Morgan just, just straight down the fairway. All these young guys, whoom, whoom. Straight down the fairway, straight up on the green, put it in. My brother sure enjoyed playing golf with him. Getting to hear stories. So, Anyway, my inspiration came from some of the sermons that he preached. I thought I'd pass it along to you. God can help us. And uh, we learn to appreciate men of God with all their, the wisdom God gets them, and yet learn to appreciate them in the midst of their personalities. Open up your Bibles. If you want to follow along, he's going to put it up on the screen. The scripture God gave me for this morning, it's a familiar story. And if you'll excuse me, I'm still recovering also. Where are we? Genesis. Great story. The story of Joseph. 
And this story, you know, has been preached on many, many times, and we're going to take a different look at it. Genesis 42, right? Is that where we're at? Many of us know the story. Joseph, the 11th son of Jacob, was sold by his brothers into Egypt. Okay? And miraculously, it's been preached on many times at the age of 17, at the age of 30, he becomes the second in command over Egypt, one of the greatest nations in the world. Because God ordained it. God ordained it. And there was a famine in all the Middle East, including Egypt. I mean, this was major famine now. And so the brothers had been told by their dad to go down to Egypt, get some food, and come back. So they get back to report to dad, Jacob. Now, most of you should know a lot about Jacob. We preached on Jacob a lot. And this is Jacob. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, as they still, none of them knew that Joseph was down there yet. They had already went down, bought some corn, and came back, and Joseph didn't tell them who he was. He's testing them. He wanted them to come back again. Joseph is not, Simeon's not, Joseph, I mean, uh, Joseph had kept Simeon as a surety payment in jail because he told him, he said, you're going to have to come back because this famine's going to be bad. You're going to come back and want to buy some more, and I want to see the rest of the family. (laughs) And ye will take Benjamin away? And then this is what he says. All these things are against me. And skip down to verse 38. Can you jump down to 38? And Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother's dead, and he's left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. And then what's uh, verse 1 say in 43? Verse 1 in 43, chapter 43. And the famine was sore in the land. Uh, You should know, and you've read your Bible, you should know that this man, Jacob, had seen God. This is after he had seen the angels going up and down the ladder. This is after God had appeared to him in Beersheba and Bethel. This is after God had spoken to Jacob and said, you're going to inherit the same promises that your grandfather Abraham. He knew all the promises. (laughs) This is the same man who had lived under a father, had redug all the wells. 
and obeyed God and had heard the voice of God many times. And this man says, and all these things are against me. You ever get comfortable? You ever get comfortable in your job? You ever get comfortable like Jacob did? He had 11 sons. He already had grandchildren. Life was pretty good. He was pretty rich. He had 11 sons that were still living with him. I mean, what a privilege to have your children with you and your grandchildren. Life was really good, and then a famine comes. And then all of a sudden, Joseph's gone. And all of a sudden now, Simeon's gone. And he says, everything's against me. Nothing's going right. Come on now. You've been there. You, you think, man, everything's good. My grandchildren, I get to go visit the grandchildren. Life's good. And what? <laughs> What's going on now? God has greater plans for each and every one of us. God has purposes for us. This man says, God has a purpose for all of our lives. You might as well get a hold of it. It's reality. The world would have you believe there's no purpose. God has a purpose for all of our lives, but are we dedicated enough to advance the kingdom of God? Can we live so God can carry out His purposes for Himself and the kingdom in each of our lives? The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God's heart is to get us to His plan. He will take care of everything, but the kingdom of God should be first. It must be above everything else. How many times do we have plans that we want God to bless? Jacob was pretty settled in Canaan land. He was supposed to be in Canaan land, wasn't he? Did God tell Abraham and Isaac, the father and the grandfather, this is your land? <laughs> was Jacob pretty blessed? Everywhere he went, he was blessed. He was extremely rich. And not only that, but, you know, he had all these kids and grandkids with him. How many times do we have plans that God wants, that we want God to bless? But God wants us to get to the place where he could carry out his plans. God has a plan for himself in each of our lives, and if we miss that, we miss our reason for being. We could be blessed over and over again as Israel was in Egypt, but if we miss carrying out God's purposes, both God and we are robbed of the reason of our existence. It had never hit me 
God was wanting Jacob down in Egypt. I never thought of it that way. Jump over to, um, where is it? I think it's um, Genesis 46. They do find out that Joseph is alive in Egypt on their second journey. The brothers do. And in chapter 46, it says, and in chapter 46, notice something here. It says Israel. God starts using Israel as the name of Jacob. He had already given him Israel a long time ago. But you notice when I read when he was complaining and having a pity party, it was Jacob, wasn't it? Now it says, and Israel took his journey with all that he had. He came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Fear not to go down to Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. (laughs) God told Jacob to go to Egypt. I'd never really thought of it. God told Abraham and Isaac, don't go to Egypt. And Abraham went to Egypt, didn't he? And he wasn't supposed to be in Egypt. He picked up Hagar and we had Ishmael. Do you think Jacob knew about Ishmael? Of course he did. They were second cousins. They lived down over the hill. They were the ones that helped buy Joseph and sold him. And him and the Midianites were another son of Abraham, another, yeah, descendant of Abraham. Abraham went down to Egypt, and he wasn't supposed to go down to Egypt. And he came back. Isaac, there was another famine. By the way, it refers, I'm not going to be able to find all the scripture for you here this morning, but the first famine, this famine that it's talking about says this famine was far worse than the first famine that Isaac faced. Isaac tried to go down. He went down to the Negev where Abimelech lived and the Philistines and did the same thing that his dad did and said, oh, my wife is my sister, you know, got into trouble again. And uh, because the king thought his wife was beautiful, uh, Rebecca. God had to get him back out of the Negev and get back into Canaan, Isaac. He wasn't supposed to go to Egypt. He wasn't even supposed to go down to Abimelech. But Jacob, God says, go down to Egypt. And Reverend Morgan says, sometimes you better watch out. One man of God may be called here and another man of God may be called over here. Just hold your judgments. Jacob was called to Egypt. 
Do you know that there was no other people in Canaan called to Egypt? In fact, all the prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah, said, don't go down to Egypt. Just surrender to Babylon. When they were besieged, the last king was besieged, a group tried to go down and form an alliance with Egypt, and they all died. We never heard from them again. They weren't supposed to go down to Egypt. They were supposed to surrender and go to Babylon. And the ones that went to Babylon in prison were returned. They weren't supposed to go to Egypt. One other person in the Bible was called to Egypt. Come on, the guys. Joseph's dad, Jesus' dad, Joseph, was called to Egypt. God had a great purpose for Jacob to go down to Egypt. He had a great purpose for Joseph and Mary to go down to Egypt and retrace again the same thing that Jacob had done. And he brought Jesus up out of Egypt, put him back in Canaan land to be our Redeemer. Jacob. Jacob was sitting at home, enjoying the grandchildren, enjoying his riches, comfortable in life, because the sons were running the business, and the famine was sore. And he was going, oh, guys, go get some food. I don't want to go. Go down to Egypt and get some food. And God says, nope, you're to go. Think of that. We find ourselves in situations... Who was it? Reverend Helm tells that great story. He had desired a pony. Desired a pony most of his life. And his father said to him, Son, go out to the barn, open up the door, got some... Reverend Helm thought, work to do in the barn. Oh, I don't want to go, don't want to go. What does God have for us when we're comfortable and whining around and feeling sorry for ourselves. God wanted to make a nation out of these 12 sons. The promise came from Abraham to Isaac, one son. From Isaac to Jacob, not Esau, but to Jacob. And now there were 12 sons. And God said, I'm going to change the whole landscape of the world. I'm going to send you. And it says that Jacob and his sons and their children were 70, not counting the wives and the servants, went down to Egypt. Because God had a plan, a master plan, a big plan, an everlasting plan. What plans does God have right here in this room that He wants to accomplish for eternity? Because all things that are eternal are eternal. I mean, come on, they're eternal. If God's in them, they're eternal, and we're going to be talking about them for the rest of our lives. And they're going to involve our children and our grandchildren, anybody who can get on the boat. But sometimes we got to hear the voice of God. Sometimes we're sitting comfortable and we don't want to go where God wants us to go. But God wanted to take these men, these sons, 
And he wanted to take these twelve sons and bind them together because they were going to be called Israel. And believe it or not, these sons began to get a little humble, didn't they? Working together with their father. Judah says, Father, we're going to have to go a second time. Joseph's down there. We're going to have to go. Joseph sent everything back. And Judah said, if I go down there, my life and my children will be surety. I'll let myself become a bondservant for the rest of my life if I don't return. And he did return because Joseph revealed himself. These sons began to humble themselves and work under their brother Joseph. And God gave them... (laughs) Joseph said, now tell them you're shepherds because the Egyptians don't like shepherds. And when you tell them that, he'll put you up in the best land. And they did, Goshen. They got the best pasture land, the best land of Egypt. Joseph lived 110 years. He was probably about 40 because the famine, the best part of the famine, what was it, seven years? It was seven. Seven good, seven bad. So the seven good had already passed. The brothers came down because of the famine, so they were already two years into the famine. He was 30 when he took over, so he was 39 or 40 when he was reunited with his father in Goshen. And Pharaoh said, I'm going to give you the best land of Egypt. He was 40. He lived to be 110 years old. And Joseph said to his brothers, Go back and read it. But he said to his brothers, you're going to go back. They couldn't comprehend it. I mean, we're down here in Egypt now. It really got good now. Our brother's the the top guy. We got plenty of food. And they gave us the best land. (laughs) They went from famine to the best. Joseph lived to be 110, it says. And he said to the brothers, put me in a coffin and take me back because you're going back. They said, why why do we want to go back? (laughs) And they did. They embalmed him and put him in a coffin and they took his bones back. It was 430 years they were down there. So 110 minus 430 would be 320 years later. They were carrying his bones out of Egypt. Now the next question I want to ask you, the next point is, all these brothers had heard the same stories Joseph heard. They knew about Abraham and the promises. They knew about God revealing himself time after time after time miraculously in Canaan land. And Abraham defeating the five kings. They knew about Isaac and his dealings with Abimelech and all the blessings Isaac had, their grandfather and their great-grandfather. They knew what Jacob had become rich in Canaan land. They knew they were supposed to be there. Why did none of them go back? 
Had you ever thought of it? I've never thought about it. Joseph lived 110 years. They were 430 years in Egypt. When things start going real good, we get comfortable again, don't we? They were in Egypt 320 more years before God could get them out. And it dawned on me, Joseph told them they were going back. They're a people group. They're united. Well, it's pretty good down there in Egypt, <laughs> living in the best land and having Joseph as the leader. None of them went back. None of them went back. And it ended up that the Pharaoh turned against them. They got into slavery and God had to drive them back. But they came out a people group ordained of God. But this story took a big turn for me. Number one, Jacob was complaining about going down there and none of them wanted to come back where they were supposed to be. God had to bring a deliverer. Moses, and they carried Joseph's bones back. <clears throat> we can learn a lot from the stories of the Old Testament. And I think too often we get comfortable and we need sometimes God just kind of turns up the pressure on us says, uh, I want you where I want you. I want you sanctified. As Pastor Nikki this morning says, I want you singing and rejoicing all the day long. Amen. <laughs> Is that still a major deal for some of us or all of us? Rejoicing all the time and everything, giving thanks. When you drive to West Virginia and you hit traffic, and you're delayed an hour, and you know your brother's waiting on it, and your wife is coughing her head off, and you have to serve for a week. Does God need to sanctify me a little more? I think so. And help me to learn what His will is, and His will is that we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that those brothers came together, that God eventually pulled them out as a people group. God's plan was so big, Jacob couldn't even see it. He knew he was supposed to come back to Canaan, and he never came back. They came back and buried him there. True. But God pulled them out, and in that people group gave them the law and the sacrificial system, and in that group gave us the lineage of Jesus Christ. In that people group gave us an example of righteousness and holiness that's never been excelled by any religion anywhere. God had big plans for that people group. He had to take them down to Egypt in a famine, and then He had to turn around and pull them out because they got comfortable back down there in Egypt. So may God bless the review of this great story of Jacob and Joseph and the children of Israel. And may we learn from them and learn to go where God wants us to go, follow where the men of God where I want to take us. And may God bless preaching the Word. Amen.